Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. Thank you for joining us on Satellite Sisters today. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Los Angeles at the Wondery Sunset Studio. I'm a writer and producer in L.A. I live in Pasadena, actually. I have a husband, a big dog, and a couple of kids. <laughs> I'm Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I'm here with Leanne in the West Hollywood studio. I live in uh, Santa Monica, California uh, with my dog, Hooper, and I'm a marketer slash podcaster slash sister. Ooh, that's a good one. Hi, I'm Julie Dolan. I'm in Dallas, Texas, in my home studio slash uh, closet. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm not an empty nester. I got a new term, sisters, I heard from my friend Grace Ann. I'm a free bird, okay? I'm a free bird, okay? I like yeah. it. I have two grown, grown sons. I have five grandchildren. I got a husband. I got a dog. I got plenty to do here working with Satellite Sisters, and I'm happy to be here with you. All right. We have a good show today, I feel like. We have some information, and then we just have some observations, is what I would say. We have those two things. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, people were out and about busy doing things this week, so we're going to hear about uh, some some people's weeks this week, some yeah. storytelling there. Mm -hmm. We're going to start mm -hmm. off the show. Then we're bringing some information to you. Julie, you have a new study on dementia. Dementia, yes. Yeah. And then, secondly, we're going to be talking about, on a, we have never talked about this on Satellite Sisters, houseplants. Okay. Uh, <laughs> houseplants. Good. First time ever, okay? Which houseplants are the best for reducing home household toxins? Julie, this is interesting stuff. I mean, I know other <laughs> things are happening in the world, yeah. but you're right. Maybe we should just start with houseplants. Yeah. You know, <laughs> We'd I'm surprised there's anything in the world we haven't talked about right. after all these years. So good for you, Julie, for digging one up. Yep. Yep. All right. I'm talking about hibernation. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Try. We should give it. Maybe we should give it a whirl. And then, Liz, you have a you have a fitness trend. Yes, and it involves. The, okay, the word is mermaiding. All right. Yeah. So just use okay. your imagination. I'm going to explain. Is it a thing? Well, the Washington Post says it is. Okay. And we have a couple of entertaining sister stories. We're going to take Liz, you watch The Crown. Yeah, first two episodes, but I'm just going to talk about the first one. Okay. Uh, no spoilers? No no spoilers. Okay, no. Because Julie no. and I have not seen it. No, because the second episode is about sisters. Okay. It's about the relationship between Elizabeth and Margaret. So we all have to watch that and be prepared to talk about the implications of the sisterly connection. Julie, you, you went... To Disney on ice. That's <laughs> unexpected. I did, sisters, yeah. and I, I, I've got a critique. I've got a, I've got a real social commentary that we've got to talk about. Yep. All right, and then I have a story about Mary Steenburgen that's going to blow your mind. Those are not <laughs> words you hear often together <laughs> with the words house plants yes. and bears and hibernation. 
Bring it I, all You know, me. I've always loved Mary Steenburgen. There's just something about her. Where do you always, hear? always so unexpected. <laughs> Where do you hear? Seriously. Where do you hear? Okay. But first, first, we want to wish a belated happy birthday to our sister, Monica. Uh, longtime listeners know there are five sisters. Three of us do this full time. But Sheila and Monica drop in occasionally. Back in the day, all five sisters worked on the show when we were a daily radio show. But now they've got real lives and real jobs. Anyway, last week was Monica's 60th birthday. So uh-huh. uh, so happy birthday, uh, Moni. And she made it abundantly clear very early on in the year that the last thing in the world she wanted was a party. And for those of you who know Monica, also not unexpected, right. that she would... Never want to be the center of attention anyway. She was just not interested in a party. So she was thinking maybe she would just go somewhere on vacation. But then Sheila came up with an awesome birthday present idea, and that which was a great idea, but also something she could not afford. So she turned it into an all-sisters, yeah. all-play, all great, and yes. it became the perfect gift. So Monica had been talking for years, literally, about getting an electric bike. Uh, She wanted to try biking to work in Portland, where she lives. She also spends a lot of vacation time in Bend, Oregon, which is a delightful spot for biking. So we bought Monica an electric bike from Raleigh called the Retroglide. And this thing is awesome. I got to say. So we so Sheila had this idea, we all checked it out, we all chipped in, we bought the bike and we gave it to her as an extra extra surprise. She was taking a vacation in August in Bend, so we gave it to her then. Yeah. So she could enjoy her full vacation. And this was a it was a super huge hit. Yeah. Like she still can't believe it. It's a life changer for her. Yes. So I know. It's so great. And it was Sheila's genius idea. Yes. It was just really perfect for Monica. And you don't you love that when you hit a home run with a gift? Yes. yes. It's very yes. satisfying. Yes. Yeah. And our brother Dick put a bike rack on the back of her car so that when she drives back and forth from Portland to Bend, she can bring it with her. Because electric bikes are a little heavier than regular bikes, so you can't get them up on a roof rack necessarily. But you, So you need one of those. The trailer hitch, the whole thing, it all happened. Anyway, happy birthday, Monica. And you should all think about these uh, electric bikes because they just give you just that little boost you need. Right. Just that little, that little boost. Anyway, we could all use a motor. Yeah. <laughs> In many areas of our lives, it'd be great to flick on a little motor. Yep. And now Monica has one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Happy birthday to Monica. Well, last week I did it. We didn't mention Monica's birthday last week because I was doing a whole show about me yes. and my cancer diagnosis and the importance of colonoscopy and my whole experience over the last couple of months. I just want to thank everybody, hundreds and hundreds, not really of people for thousands of really great messages. So and, nice. And signs of support and sharing the show. And and your thoughts and your prayers and your well wishes. It really, really meant the world to me. Same with the people who shared their cancer stories. Like I found that very powerful and very moving to read. Uh, so I really appreciate that. I loved the notes about people. They booked their colonoscopies mm-hmm. that day. That and, was wonderful. Yes, they were nagging their friends to do the same, which was the point of the show. So that's fantastic. But I did want to mention I heard from a lot of um, breast cancer survivors who wanted me to remind people 
that your mammogram is also a routine test that can mm-hmm. save lives. So we talked about colonoscopies last week. The breast cancer survivors want me to say, don't forget your mammo mm-hmm. uh, when you're making your routine tests. And unbelievably, I got a letter last week like, time for your mammo. Oh, really? So I did it. I did it. I did it, breast cancer survivors. So I'm all set with that in December. So thank you so much. I wanted to give you a couple of quick diet updates. I have exciting news. I told you I was on this low-fiber diet, and I was trying to transition. Uh This is what you have to do after colon surgery. Your system kind of has to relearn a whole bunch of things. Uh So I did successfully introduce garbanzo beans and and mushrooms to my diet this week. That's good. So, I mean, this is a breakthrough. I mean, I really, really enjoyed that cooked spinach every night. But uh, just to be able to add a legume and (laughs) a mushroom <laughs> and a nightshade this is very exciting very yeah. very exciting so i wanted to mention that and then also ironically i had to take the dog to the vet yesterday because yeah. you know that's what women do just take other people to the doctors <laughs> and uh she has had you know chronic ear infections so now the vet has suggested we try her on an elimination diet oh really so guess what causes ear infections in dogs garbanzo beans no i wish <laughs> it is beef chicken and cheese which pretty much represents 95% of her diet. So the news here is that the entire family is now going to be eating garbanzo beans, (laughs) mushrooms, and salmon for the rest of our lives. That's it. Wow. Yeah, the doctor said, well, does she like salmon? I'm like, yeah, she likes salmon, but... Yeah. That's a little spendy. It is a little yeah. expensive for a dog. But now I'll just cook for three. Me, Barrack, and the dog will all Do be Do not eating. give the dog the wild-caught that's, salmon. That's, Do how, not. that's how lots of cultures feed their, their pets. You yeah. know, it's, it's table scraps. That's where go. it all started, Leanne. Yeah. So we're just we're We're embracing the plant-based diet with the healthy okay. seafood. So okay. there you have it. There's healthy the follow-up. But again, thanks for the messages. I, ha- I have one, what we call a quick hit item here, that I just wanted to let people know. This is an annual thing for me, not, not like a mammogram, but even more painful, and that would be uh, the annual meeting of my homeowners association. Okay. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I have an ongoing series here called HOA, H-E double hockey sticks, <laughs> because yes. the people in my homeowners association just do not see eye to eye. There are only 14 units in my building, so this should not be so hard. And yet... It is. So the good news is I survived the annual meeting. Uh, and more good news. You know how I've said that the upstairs people, which includes me, that we get along really well? Yes. It's the yeah. downstairs people mm-hmm. that are crazy. It's only a two-story building. Right. But for some <laughs> reason, the closer you are to the earth, the crazier you are. Um, well, I would just like to report that only upstairs people showed up. For the HOA meeting. Wow. Because we don't mind actually looking each other in the eyes and having conversations with each other, except for Captain Mm Queek, you know, the controller of the HOA who lives downstairs. Mm -hmm. Captain Queek was present Mm. and runs the meeting, you know, but whatever. Because we had the happy spirit of the second floor, we were all good, except the one bad news is because Captain Queek runs the HOA... Uh-huh. No one else ran for the HOA. So we now have a like a management, uh, the board, I guess it is. The board of the HOA is now only Captain Queen. Okay. This is okay. the so, worst possible result. You have a monarchy there. Yes. 
Liz, <laughs> you're all sort of super smart. It seems I like know. I know. should know that that does not seem like a good system of governance. Yeah. No, all. no. But it's like we have to band together to overthrow Captain Oh, a coup. Lee. A coup. Yes, it has to be. And we have to have three of us. There have to be three people on the board. So three of us that rally enough votes yeah. that we could actually... Anyway, so that's where we are right now. Good news, bad news. Yay for the second floor, but, you know, it's going to be a long year, just mm-hmm. saying that. Mm-hmm. But it, apparently we're getting a new roof, so we'll see how that goes. That's H-O-A-H-E double hockey sticks. Today's installment over. Seemed like a lot of unresolved issues there. But Agreed. maybe that I feel somewhat better about my week because uh, sisters, Liz and Lee, and I wanted to report that I have completely abandoned every rule, principle, holiday tr- tradition I had. You know, you know really? uh, how how strongly I feel about how we should celebrate one holiday at a time, mm-hmm. and that we shouldn't get ahead of our ourselves. Well, I just want you to know that this week I put up some lights at my house. Really? Wow! I Before put up, Thanksgiving them, is over, calling, they're white lights. I'm calling them holiday lights, <laughs> and I and I did it for a couple of reasons. One, because I was out walking my dog in the dark um, last week, and I saw a lighted Christmas tree in a window, and it just it just made me so happy, you know. And <laughs> I have to say that I just said I'm going home and I'm going to put up some lights, and so that my lights. Um, are signals. I'm calling them signal lights of peace and love. Oh. Number one, I feel a tremendous sense of relief about you, Liam. Thank and you. that I am so, these lights are part of it. But number two, these lights are to combat all the hate and the chaos in this country, wow. around the world. I am just sending signals out, okay, okay. of wow. peace and love. Okay. And I know it's not even Thanksgiving yet, but I, I just want to tell you, how how much joy it's giving me. I hope as people walk by or drive by my house, they see these little lights. Maybe it will get a spark some joy and some peace and love in their lives. Okay. Hard to argue with peace and love. It so, is. Yeah, I mean, you know, normally we really stick to the sanctity of Thanksgiving I know, here. I know, but I just sisters. think this is an, an unusual time, it an is. unusual year. Okay. And, and you might want to light a candle or put up some lights, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you must, if you must inflate something, fine. Go ahead and inflate something. <laughs> but you have not taken that radical step. You're just going with the white lights. Yes, it's, it's, these are signals, Liz. These are small steps, but it's a pretty dramatic step. You, know, you remember our mom used to quote, I don't know if this is actually something that Adlai Stevenson um, ever said, but our mother used to always say, sometimes, girls, you need to rise above your principles, right? <laughs> Didn't she used to always say that? She yes. said that, yes. A lot, yes. Yes, yes. So I feel like I had to rise again up above my principles, my rules about holidays and traditions and principles, and just send out some signals. Okay. There you go, Julie. Peace and love. Breaking news. Hard to argue with peace and love. I like it. Good work. Good work. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Stay with us. We're going to take a moment to thank our sponsors, but we do want to remind you that we have an active Facebook group, a very active Facebook group. Very active. Things are happening there all the time. People are posing questions. We're posing questions. People are bonding. So if you want to join, you just have to ask to join our group. Yeah, because it's a private group, which just means whatever you post there. It's private, private. which is a good thing. And the group was really for listeners of the podcast because we like the spirit of the podcast to shine through in the spirit of the Facebook group. And 99% of the time it does. But that's why we ask you a couple of questions. If you ask, invite your friends to join and they don't answer the questions, 
We have to decline them, and it hurts. It, it hurts does. Us. It feels bad to decline. We're clearly nice people based on their Facebook things. But yes. we just were trying to preserve it for listeners of the podcast. So we want to encourage you to do that. Our, our Instagram is at Sat Sisters. Uh, you can follow us there. Also, Twitter, we're at Sat Sisters. We also have an elaborate website. Yes, a good yes. point list. Satellite, yes, we do. Yes. Satellitesisters.com. We always have, the show notes are posted in all of the podcast apps, but also separately, the show notes are posted on the website. But when you go there, there are bios for us. There's all kinds of background, other things you might want to know about us. And most impo- importantly, the Satellite Sisters shop is linked there. So if you go to SatelliteSisters.com, in the upper right-hand corner, you will see a picture of the three of us in our Stay Noisy uh, t-shirts, and you can just click through there to the Satellite Sisters shop, because now is about the right time to be ordering whatever Satellite Sisters merch you want for the sisters and the misters in your life for the holidays. So there you go, SatelliteSisters.com. Fantastic reminder. All right, we're going to be back with some information now. Information you can use at those Thanksgiving tables. If you don't want to talk about politics, oh, we got some stuff for you. So stay tuned. But first, we're going to thank our sponsors. All right, happy to be back. Let's go. We have a full segment here. People are bringing the studies. They're bringing the tidbits. Julie, you had the most serious piece of news. So we're going to start with you. Big study. This is a recent meta-study report by the Lancet Medical Journal on dementia. And for new listeners, our dad died of Alzheimer's. And so this is something that we're, it's very near and dear to our hearts. But you, do you realize, Liz and Leanne, that um, by 2050, 152 million people are expected to have dementia? Wow. <laughs> that's a, that's right. a lot of people. Who that's is going to care Is that worldwide, obviously, because not half the U.S. population. Yeah. Okay. But that's a lot of people having dementia. But and one in four people think that there is nothing that can be done to prevent dementia. You know, there are drugs out there, but they've been limited in in their success. But here's some new this new meta study that came out and really some actually excellent news that 35 percent of dementia cases might be prevented by people doing, get ready for this, simple common sense things. They said six things can help you reduce the chances of getting dementia. Number one, blood uh, con- uh, blood pressure control. They mm. didn't always know that there was a link, be- cardiovascular l- link between, um, between the- your health in that area and your mental health, but they think there really is, so you need to c- control your blood pressure. How about exercise? Yes, this is yep. really important. Mm-hmm. Physically mm-hmm. active. This really improves the health of your blood vessels. And people who are more active are less likely to get dementia. Okay. I know I know. the other week I said that you're supposed to, We I read a study that you're supposed to re- rest your brain. Uh-uh. Cognitive training <laughs> is really, really important. <laughs> you have to maintain your educational and mentally stimulating activities. So get back to Mahjong. Yep. Get back to Sudoku. Do those crossword puzzles. Listen to interesting podcasts. <laughs> have engaging conversations. All really important. Wait, Diet, Julie, literally oh. it was only two weeks ago that you told us that science said none of that was required. Well, okay. Okay. it was required, but you, know, you, you want to, Liz, Liz, if you want to, like, reduce the chances of dementia, and yes. we all, we we all, all do. do, Yeah, mm-hmm. get back to it right okay. away. Diet, okay, there's another one, Liz, why is you're always talking, the one, two, exercise and diet. Yep, no big the surprise. Fact, 
Mediterranean diet, the mind diet, you know, anything that with lots of leafy greens and veggies and dark berries. And again, Leanne, stay away from those meats and yeah. cheeses and things like that. Yeah. Another thing is sleep. Okay. Yes. That mm. poor sleep habits really increase, increase your risk factor for getting Alzheimer's. So it is important to get a good night's sleep. And then most importantly, as part of this, they said it's the combination of all of these healthy habits that really can help reduce the de- uh, the, uh, the likelihood of dementia. Mm-hmm. So, and so you can't just best- eat well but not exercise. You need right. to do both they of these things. Uh huh. And I think you really have to have a lot of self awareness and maybe a little self honesty about like really how well you do eat, how well you exercise, how much cognitive training do you really do, how how well do you sleep at night, and are you monitoring your bl- uh, blood pressure? You know, so I I mean self awareness is really important in this. But I saw this kind of as some good news. Like if you start these healthy habits. And obviously, the study said, don't wait until you start to have memory problems. I mean, it's best to yeah. have, you know, have have practiced this in combination. But even if, you know, even if you're whatever age you are, it's not too late to start and to put it all together, but to realize that there is a connection between all of these activities. But I thought it was pretty good because it's common sense, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I'm finding harder than ever, Julie, is the sleep part of it. And I used to think it's I wasn't getting enough. Well, in my old life, I was not getting enough sleep. That's no longer the problem. I've got plenty of time to sleep at night. I'm just not sleeping well. I just wake up so much in the middle of the night. So, and I've done the things like I no longer have a TV in my bedroom. I try to keep my bedroom cool. It is dark. You know, I don't, um, you know, I, I go to bed at basically the same time every night. I feel like I'm doing everything right. You know, knocking off the wine with dinner, all that kind of stuff. And yet I still wake up a lot in the mm. middle of the night. And I'm not sure. And then when I ask people about it, they always recommend, well, take one of those CBD gummies. And I'm just not sure that's the solution for me either. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm just putting it out there. But that's true. That's why more women get Alzheimer's than men. They're thinking, uh, and that came out in the study, is because women have their poorer sleep habits. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yes. And we all know, you know, one of the underlying causes is that M word, right? Yeah, it's postmenopausal. Your your sleep definitely changes. So I'm working on that. I'm not sure what else I can do except, like, I don't know, like, trying to sleep better. How many more sheet sets can you buy, Liz? (laughs) I I mean, my gosh. It's true. (laughs) I think my sleep hygiene is pretty good. And yet I just, like, it's not, it's getting worse, not better. So that's, uh, I have to address that. Okay. All Uh, right. Well, unbelievably, my story is about hibernation. I did not realize how... (laughs) How these two how neatly these things tail. work together. But this headline caught my eye. First of all, I like bears. And uh, and <laughs> the headline is, hibernation works for bears. Could it work for us, too? Which is an intriguing headline. Provocative. Okay. You're gonna, I'm in, Leanne. You have my attention. Here's what I like. Bears apparently have three major seasons in the life of a bear. Here are the seasons. Okay. The active season, beginning in May, they're out there. They're doing. They're catching salmon, Liz. Yeah, they're yeah, running yeah. through garbage cans. They're sure. doing stuff. And then they have something that sounds familiar to me, a period of intense eating. In like, 
<laughs> in late September. Oh, all right. Yeah. So they bulk up. They sure. bulk up for the big sleep. And then hibernation from January into the spring. Yeah. Now, hibernation is pretty strange. If you've ever really thought about it. Have you ever really thought about no. it, Julie or Liz? No. Okay. No. So when a bear... Or something that I would adopt? No. no. Or just like what goes on? How, yeah. how is it possible? How do they, they stay sleep? asleep that long? Right. I can't even stay asleep for eight hours. Right. How do you stay asleep for... what? How long is hibernation? I mean, it's months. January <laughs> till the spring, Liz. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot of months. So when a bear hibernates, its metabolic rate and heart rate drop. Yeah. It, it does not defecate or urinate. The amount of nitrogen in its blood rises sharply without damaging the kidneys or the livers. And the animal becomes resistant to insulin but does not suffer fluctuations in its blood sugar levels. That's so fascinating. So all these things would kill humans. Like that's why scientists are looking at it because they think, well, maybe there is a way to treat some of these long-term diseases or something if we could get people to sleep for three months, but then all these terrible things would happen. Yeah. And yet for bears, they wake up in the spring, they're a little bit groggy, they say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that makes sense. Uh, but they don't suffer the same kind of pathologies that would occur in people. So that's why uh-huh. these scientists at Washington State University have been looking at this. And lots of scientists out there want to figure out how some of this hibernation magic, because the bear's cells actually change during the hibernation process. Don't ask me any follow-up questions. Okay, no, I'm just going to observe that what I love about all this information is it means that scientists are sneaking in and somehow getting blood samples from bears while they are hibernating. Yeah. Or like, so good for you, whoever the the bearologists are, because that can't be easy to do. Right. They must be in bear costumes. Yeah. Yeah. So they found out that the bear's fatty tissues are changing, but their muscles don't atrophy. That sounds good. That's I would like nuts, I would right? like that combo. Yeah. My fatty tissue to change <laughs> while they're... hanging on to my muscles. Yeah. Also, I didn't know this because, again, I only like bears, but um, lots of animals hibernate. Did you oh. know that? Like dwarf lemurs in Madagascar hibernate, oh. for instance. There's uh-huh. there are species of bats that hibernate. Oh. Who, knew? Who knew? But bears have the most systemic change. Their yeah. genes change the most, whereas these other ones, it's a shorter term period. But they can still be helpful to human health. And here's how. Like the ground squirrel, apparently, is very interesting to scientists. Uh, and this is why. They, um, they, they're using the, what happens in a ground squirrel to figure out how to stop treatment for hemorrhagic shock. Okay? They are, oh. they are using ground squirrels actually use melatonin to protect their cells during hibernation from an increased blood flow. Okay, after, mel- after months of activity, they wake up and, oh, they should freak out, but they have melatonin. So there's a doctor out there, a scientist who put together a cocktail of melatonin and ketones to give to soldiers who are injured too far from medical help to stop uh-huh. their hemorrhaging. Really? Isn't that crazy? Yes. Yes. They're try- That's fascinating. Yeah, they're trying to figure out if they can use this sort of everything stops, but it's all good. Uh, key to hibernation mm. for organ transplants. Mm. Because now, like, what do you have? Sometimes 24 hours, sometimes six to eight hours for a heart or a lung. It's yeah. only viable for that long. But if they can figure out how to keep like these to hearts suspend and lungs it. in stasis, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, so that they can create actual organ banks, that would change everything for yes. people who need organs. And how about this, Liz and Julie, because I know you want to try it, extraterrestrial travel, okay? <laughs> Wait, what's the connection? Well, again... Oh, you might have to hibernate for one for, of some For of months the- at a time. Oh, you, to go to Mars. Yes, yeah. to go to Mars, and then you wake up. No, no muscle atrophy or anything. Okay. A little groggy, but things are good. 
Wow, so, that uh, would be fascinating. The gifts that bears are giving us. So think about it. Hibernation. Make it winter happen. To- winter topic, Leanne. I <laughs> Thank think you. people all over the country are going to be talking about bears yeah. next Thursday. Yeah. There's so much we can learn from bears and squirrels. Who knew? Okay, well, as long as we're talking about health, I saw this headline in the Washington Post this week. How food companies use packaging to fool you into thinking an item is healthful. And I thought, okay, another provocative headline. I could learn something here. And the first thing I learned is I have fallen for every single one of these things. So I thought I would share how they are using design to actually get you to believe these products are healthier than they are. The first one is thin, shapely containers. That, that's why, you know, low-calorie drinks like skinny margaritas or flavored sparkling waters, they come in thin bottles oh. because the silhouette propels the message that the product is slimming. We actually believe they have fewer calories if huh. they are a long, skinny shape. What are we, idiots? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, of course, we've all fallen yeah. for that. Yes. Yes, we are. Liz. I'm and, not buying any more of those fat bottles. I'm going to stick to skinny bottles. Yeah. Get this one, Julie. And when a thin container also has a curviness to it, like if it has a waist, a concave shape, the product inside is perceived as healthier, particularly by women who have a high body mass index. So, okay, come on. That just seems unfair wow. to get manipulated in that way. So there's a warning. Next one is really obvious. Uh, packaging that has images of fields, farms, grains, and produce. Um, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the example the author uses, it, she, she writes, I saw pictures of whole wheat still in its husk on boxes of crackers made only of refined flour. So there you go. Oh. You got to read the labels. Don't right. Like those photos, they are, they are there to deceive you. Next one really surprised me. Muted colors, sister. When food manufacturers want to give you the impression that their food is more healthful and natural, you know, fewer artificial ingredients, less processed, they stay away from bold colors and they use lighter muted tones because we... The, like, idiots that we are, apparently, we associate paler hues with better-for-you products and bright colors with, like, more artificially boosted products. So, Gogurt. (laughs) Gogurt comes to mind right away. Right. And this one... Well, yeah, because you think these pale hues, these are organic colors. Yes. Colors found in nature, right? Not, like... Red dye number six. They made the wrapping with crushed berry juice. Yeah. Yeah, Got it. Yeah. Well, here's an example of that. It says, color impacts our perception more powerfully than we might realize, even to the point of defying logic. One study, for example, found that a candy bar with a green calorie label was perceived as healthier than the exact same bar with a red label, just because we associate green with healthier and natural. So, again... When you're reading the labels, try to look beyond what color the label is, apparently. Uh, And then two more quickies. One, I have 100% fallen for this one, brown paper packaging. That if they put something in a packaging that we perceive as eco-friendly, like glass or brown cardboard or paper, it leads us to believe that the food inside is healthier, too. That is 100% not true. Obviously, the packaging 
has nothing to do with the quality of the food. Uh, so they can take these old products and kind of rebrand them, and they charge more. So if you see something in brown paper, chances are you're paying more for it. And then the last one is interesting because it's sort of the um, – the word is transparency, that when you see something that's put in very clear packaging, yes. oh, I fall for it's that. like yeah. they are trying <laughs> to make you believe, like, look, we are transparent. We are revealing all. But what the transparency is really doing is tricking you into believing what they want you to believe, that really the transparency, it's like a, it's like a double hoax there with the transparency. <laughs> but research shows... rough to go to the grocery store. Yeah, yeah, research shows that food in transparent packages are perceived to be higher quality, more attractive, fresher, and healthier. And, okay, just a reminder, people, it's not true. Okay. <laughs> So there you go. I have a link to this in our show notes. But this is a lot of useful information when you're getting tricked into buying these things in the store. We are all trying to be healthier. I know. Why don't they help us be healthier instead of tricking us? (laughs) So, okay. Oh, and then I I have my next story, too. Right. Uh, You had a mermaid. Mermaiding. Mermaids. Is that going to make us healthier? Okay. Now, this is a thing. There is an actual, where did I put my notes for that? Hang on. Hang on. Where did I put the mermaids? So this was another trend story that I saw that mermaiding is uh, is a fitness trend, sisters, that you can actually take lessons in this. There are like mermaid schools. And uh, what this is, is sort of a going, obviously swimming, but with a mono fin on. And so you go to the pool, obviously you sit there and you put on this monofin and you use that as allegedly a better workout. Now, there are all kinds of clubs all over the country that are now, they have mermaid clubs, they have Merlympics where you can compete <laughs> against each other. Wow. And so in this story, they were trying to figure out like, why is mermaiding a thing? Right. Like, where did this come from? And you know what the theory is? I That know. it's... Do you know what? It, that it's the popularity of the movie The Little Mermaid, Julie. Yes, it's Ariel. Of course it is. <laughs> that millennials grew is. up. Yes, yes. We're going to be talking about Disney on Nice in a little while. But guess what Josephine wanted? She wanted an Ariel doll. Okay, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So millennials really really grew big, up. So I'm not surprised. Yes. <laughs> well, I was surprised. <laughs> I, I, that, I think it would be a good core exercise. I well, mean, yes, it's, yes. And the story, yeah. that, the story that will be in the show notes is that it actually is a good core exercise. There are many things about it that are very healthy. So I agree with that. I, I questioned whether trend was too strong a word. Because just because a couple of dozen people are doing it here and there does not make it a trend. Right. But then I was convinced because if you go to Instagram right. and you look at hashtag mermaiding, 139,000 posts, hashtag mermaiding. So I will not be taking up mermaiding. However, I am following now, hashtag mermaiding, (laughs) because it is delightful imagery that going back to an earlier tip, will 100% lower your blood pressure. If you look at these wonderful pictures of mermen and merwomen mermaiding for health. So... Bring it, bring on mermaiding. I say, I uh, a delightful new trend. I am happy to bring to you here. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's. Uh, I think we need more aerials, more mermaids. All right, here's our last a big study, and I know you'll want to share this with others. This is a, a study to really look in depth at the conventional wisdom that plants improve indoor air quality. 
you know, you see this, uh, house plants are supposed to be good for you. So Michael Waring, who was an environmental engineer and indoor quality expert at Drexel University, did really what I consider a massive study. He tested 196 plants. He reviewed 12 other studies. Liz, this is reported in National Geographic. It oh. is big time. So it's okay. legit. Uh, because... Yeah, because, and this caught my eye because I would like to know which houseplants are the best to have in your house to improve indoor air quality. So they did all these studies with ivy and plants in laboratories. And um, here's a really bad news. That houseplants don't improve indoor air quality. At all? They don't. They don't. They don't do any good. Okay. All right. They're nice. They're nice to look at. Yes. And I know we have some on the International Space Station, but even NASA (laughs) says about those plants up there, they create a beautiful atmosphere and improve the mental state, but they do nothing to uh, take the toxins out of the air. I know. Isn't that disappointing? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it is. So, so you. I thought you were going to solve my allergy problem. I (laughs) I was really. I know, Leon. This is it. I was so excited about this. Which plant is going to be the best? They so in the in the laboratory. Yes, ivies uh, ivy plants can reduce some toxins, but uh, but uh, Michael Waring said. You don't live in a laboratory. The space is not the same, that they cannot recreate these, you know, uh, the, the toxin removings mm-hmm. in a normal, in a regular household. Mm-hmm. He said the could really get clean air is if you got like a large volume of plants. Let's just say <laughs> you took up uh, growing pot plants in your house, okay? Large, he said, he, you needed huge amounts and then you would still need a fan of some kind to blow the toxins across the path in front of the plants in order to have any beneficial okay yeah i'm not so, who's doing that i'm not doing that so I, I would just say just keep watering your plants enjoy how they look but they're not making you uh the air any better okay yeah. well i was it. actually on the verge of buying a whole bunch of new house plants because well, because I've killed all the ones that I had. Because there's a certain life cycle for me in houseplants. And I felt like, Leon, when did, when did Helen of Pasadena come out? Uh, 2010. Yeah, okay. Nine so years Nine ago. years ago. So I had a party, a book party for you in my home. Yes. And I bought a lot of big elaborate houseplants yes. for that. They are now all officially dead. Yeah. So I kept them alive for like seven, eight years. Good. Which is, so now I'm thinking for your new book. Right. When your new book comes out in the spring. The Sweeney I'm, Sisters. I'm just going to re-up on the houseplants because, you know, I'll, I'll probably have some other kind of event in my home. So I'm just on whatever your publishing cycle okay. is with my houseplants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. And thank you for mentioning the book, Liz. Yes, I the Sweeney that. Sisters coming in April from Leon Dolan. All right, we'll be back. We're going to thank our sponsors, and then we'll be back with some entertaining sisters. Stay with us. All right, it's our weekly segment, Entertaining Sisters. Most weeks, most weeks we do this, some mm-hmm. tips and uh, mm-hmm. recommendations or please don't go sees uh, from the Satellite Sisters <laughs> yes. on your favorite uh, TV, movies, books, Ice shows, whatever is happening. <laughs> so, Liz, you went to see you. You have a couple of popular favorites. Yes, this yes. Week. Well, first, I'm going to start. Well, let's see. Is let's talk about leaving the house. I left the house over the weekend to go see Ford versus Ferrari, and okay, this is just a huge crowd pleaser of a movie. Uh, first of all, Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Okay, 
Those are two true movie stars. Yes. I love watching them. Mm-hmm. Yes. They are just just fantastic to watch. They're both great in this. They both have very unusual characters. I really liked a lot about this movie, even though I thought, do I really want to watch a movie about car racing? I thought, in your home, Leanne, because right. you come from a family where they care about fast cars, yes. that you would find this story interesting. Yes. Maybe because your sons and your husband are such experts on fast cars, maybe they would get annoyed by details that are not correct. Right. And those would not be details that that I would be aware of. So uh, all I got to say is Saturday at the movies, it was the entire demographic spread in the movie theater from younger kids to older people to and everyone had a really good time. It is a oh, crowd- that's a good that's good to know, Liz. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crowd pleasing. Now, there are long scenes of car races, so, <laughs> so, but it's very dramatic. Yeah. And they're all shot from inside the car. Right. So it's not like watching a car race on TV. It's really very uh, it's very exciting. So I would recommend Ford versus Ferrari unless you really have some total hang up with like competition, right? If you don't like races of any kind, like if that's not interesting to you, but uh, and there are so many things in this story that are really quite fascinating, just cultural observations um, that I liked a lot. So Ford v. Ferrari, I say yes. Okay, you know, <laughs> right. excellent list. Good. Uh, okay, then uh, then I thought, all right, Sunday. The crown, you got to The crown, the crown is dropping. I had a big debate with myself: how many episodes was I going to allow myself to watch? <laughs> right, right, right. That's true. That's good, Liz. Did you moderation? I did. did. With- I, I moderated, Julie. I have a friend who texted me yesterday who had watched eight <laughs> eight episodes. That seems uh, like too much. I would not come out of the gate with like the full binge. So I watched the first two episodes. But I'm just going to say a few things about the first episode because I would, you know, I want you guys to, you know, we will. I, no spoilers. Our, our I know you will list, be watching right, it. Liam? Yes. You will enjoy, Julie, that like the very first scene in uh, the first episode of season three involves some corgis. The corgis oh, are right okay, there, good. right from the start. So, you know, you're right back where you want to be. Yeah. You're, you're living with corgis. So that's good. But then everything else about the story it is amazing to me how current all of the story elements feel. For instance, major plot point, Russians integrating themselves into the British government. There, uh-huh. are, there are spies, Julie. There are spies <laughs> accused of poisoning. There is a question about whether or not elected officials are in the tank for Russia. That's all true. It all happened in the British government in the 60s. And yes, it, it is did. happening in this season of The Crown. And it's amazing how, <laughs> how relevant it, it seems in our current day. Another thing, there's a lot of, mm, without giving too much away, references back to the Profumo sex scandal, which was, uh-huh. I think, season one of The Crown, right? When when the, when they were found, um, to be, when there was the whole sex scandal and the prime minister got thrown out. Right. Well, now, and it's like, mm, now we have Prince Andrew giving, like, those heinous interviews about his Uh relationship with Uh Jeffrey Epstein. And there's a little bit of a touch of that in this episode, too, because Prince Philip, as you may recall from an earlier season, was sort of never unmasked as having participated in some of these Profumo sex parties. 
and now it's a little bit coming back to haunt him. I'll, I'll just say that. So that feels incredibly current. Uh, and the transition from Claire Foy to um, Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. Yes. No problem. Seamless. Okay, good. Seamless. Good. Yeah. There's one outstanding vi- actress. Yep. There's one visual trick they play in that very first scene. Uh, you'll get it. It's yeah. really obvious uh, what they're doing. There. It's just their way of saying, "Just be cool." Okay. Yeah. We, we recast. <laughs> so I highly recommend. Uh, and if you want to go even deeper, because as it's the, this is the kind of show. What I love about The Crown is it is always set in some historical context, but they go don't go into all of the details right. of the actual event in history. They just want you to feel like it's in a context. So there are um, there are a couple of things here that are clearly that. And so if you want to know, like, how much of this is really true? Like, did that really happen? Is that happening in the right timeline? Our friends, the History Chicks, who do the podcast, The History Chicks. Also, excellent source. Yes, yeah. excellent source. They do a separate show called The Recapery, where they recap shows that are about history. So they are recapping the new season of The Crown on The Recapery. Oh, so okay. I listened to their recap of season three, episode one, and it helped me understand a lot of the things about what was real and what was fictional that I was kind of curious about. So I recommend that if you want to go like super deep into how much of this happened in real life. And also if you want someone to explain to you the difference between, say, a crown and a diadem, they do that. They put all of those things. (laughs) So I didn't even know I didn't know the difference. I know, Liz, you go in deep on these topics. It's excellent. Yeah, I I just watch TV, but yeah, good work. Yeah, no, no, this is what the history chicks do. I'm just watching TV too. I didn't know how much I wasn't taking away until I listened to the recapery. Anyway, so those are my two tips: Ford versus Ferrari, fun for the whole family, kind of a little bit adult, but not not too much. And then the crown. Digging in now. I'm ready for the rest of it. And we're gonna have a link to the recapery at satellite in the show notes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got it. All right, Jewel. Well, Disney speaking of crowns, yeah. uh, I, I did some. I, I spent some time with some princesses this weekend. Uh, I was in New York visiting my granddaughters and had the opportunity to go see Disney on Ice. Now, this is going to be all over the country. I happened to see the Mickey and Minnie's road trip. That was the theme of this this season of Disney on Ice. <laughs> it's a pretty broad theme. Yeah. You, know, you can figure that out. Sure. So that worked. Uh, we were, it was at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, 6,000 people easily for the show. And can I say, outstanding skating, Leanne. Yes. And, and Liz. I, I mean, the skate, these are, you know, you know that all of the skaters, all the performers were competitive skaters at one point. They just are great. Some of the um, singles and the, uh, du- and the duets that they were doing were amazing. The lifts were good costumes, the lights, and then a whole new dimension to uh, Disney on Ice is they have a lot of aerialists in uh, many of the um, oh. of the scenes, and that really adds to quite a, quite a thrilling uh, dimension. You're afraid that they're going to fall on that on the ice. ice. Yeah. Yes, so that takes it up. <laughs> uh, so, And what I liked about it um, is the tickets, not all of them, but uh, the tickets for Disney on Ice, they start at some pretty reasonable prices. I mean, in the Barclays Center, you could get into the Barclays Center for as little as $10 a piece. That's now good. you're up, you're way up, but kids don't care if they're yeah. way up. Mm-hmm. They like that, right? Yeah. Okay. But 
just because you get in for ten dollars right. or twenty dollars or th- doesn't mean you're going to get out of the place <laughs> for that amount of money. And I yep. think that is key. And most parents know if they've been to Disney World, Disneyland, that you are not leaving that place unless you buy the thirty-two dollar light or sword mm-hmm. or the fourteen dollar snowball or how about the bag of cotton candy for thirty-four dollars <gasps> that comes complete with a golden crown. Oh, well, that uh, is that sounds lot. worth it. <laughs> that's, 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 that sounds worth it. Oh. The other thing that just is totally delightful, uh, some longtime listeners might realize, remember that I did take Josephine to go see the Broadway play Frozen. And uh, in that play, they, they are musical, they tell you very explicitly in bold print, please do not sing along with the actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. But in the Barclay Center, can I say that there was at times where there were 5,000 kids belting out every single word to let it go, Akuna Matata, a whole new world from Aladdin. Their parents know, they know every word and they're just singing as hard as they can sing. And that is uh, certainly fun and great to see. Now to the part that ruined pretty much every scene. Of oh this. no! Oh no! Okay, well, okay. That you know, it's a nice show, but uh, but because it's a Disney show, they have special VIP experiences. So oh. in every scene, whether it was in the Frozen scene or in the Aladdin scene or the Lion King scene or the Mary Poppins th- scene. They are shoving little kids, little four-year-olds from New Jersey onto the ice so they can ride around in Mickey's car yeah. or rub oh, the really? slam. You know, and you know, and of course, Josephine uh, was all over the situation <laughs> and wanted to know immediately what, who were those kids, and why were they able to wear Elsa's cape? Oh, you know, they. Yes. Want, you know, and I and I have to say to Disney, I'm not faulting the parents, the grandparents. I'm faulting Disney. Okay, yes. this really detracted from the show <laughs> yeah. and from the magic of the show that they're just every scene constantly like shoving some more kids on. You know, <laughs> I can see why that would be really annoying <laughs> to parents and grandparents because then yeah. it's just one more thing that your kid wants and you have to spend the whole time explaining why they can't have it. And then it distracts from the actual, the artistry, the pageantry of the skating, of the costumes and all of that. You're like focused on like, I don't know. You're, wrong, you're focused on the wrong On thing. the wrong thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. So your objection is more artistic than financial. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you, you're going to spend money. Okay. Right. That's right. <laughs> Right. That's the Disney way, Liz. Okay. So uh, you know that when you're going in. Uh, It was really an artistic objection. All right, Julie, that's a that is a pointed critique of the show. So thank you for that honest assessment of it. (laughs) Well, other people may go. They may share. I get it. Just you better bring the cash for For those snowballs and the and the cotton candy. Yeah, I have some vague recollection of going to the ice capades as a kid, and I I feel like we my parent our parents would <laughs> never parents. my parents your parents would never have paid for anything VIP. But I know no. I rode around in one of those things during an ice capade show. But really? I feel like we were picked early, like when we went and we could meet. The, it was Dorothy Hamill for God's oh yeah sense, you know oh, and for God's so. Sense. <laughs> I was there. Yeah. And I so I, I, rem- I recall that, but I don't, I mean, again, I don't think it was a special ticket. So it was more egalitarian. Yes. And I was older than four. 
<laughs> Probably sort of embarrassingly old, actually. <laughs> you were 16, <laughs> riding around. <laughs> I was a college freshman. No, I wasn't. I was like 12. Okay. Okay. All right. I, we just have a few minutes here, but I want to tell you just a little bit about the amazing story of Mary Steenburgen. You know, the actress, uh, wife of Ted Danson. You know, she's always seemed she owns a home store in Santa Monica. Yeah, right in my neighborhood. She's a home store. She's really yeah. seemed like a Renaissance woman, you know, jack of all trades. Yeah, well-rounded. Yeah. So much more well-rounded than you could have guessed, because 10 years ago, she claims this is and she has backup. She went in for a simple operation. Right. And as soon as the anesthesia started to wear off, she said she felt something transform in her brain. And she said, the only way I can describe it is my brain was on music and that everything anyone said to be became musical. All my thoughts became musical. Every street sign became musical. I couldn't get my mind into any other mode. Hmm. Now, previous to this, she had been a fan of music, liked yes. music, but she didn't have any musical training. She wasn't a singer. She wasn't uh-huh. a songwriter. She just couldn't stop thinking in song lyrics. She said she couldn't have acted. She couldn't focus. She said her son and her husband were kind of freaked out because like, they'd be driving around and she'd start scatting in the car. <laughs> that's a worry (laughs) and they really thought that maybe she was having major psychological problems yeah and she she thought well this is it i'm a woman in my mid-50s they're just gonna accuse me of all these crazy things mad what am i gonna do so she had a good friend who she says on martha's vineyard so we can only assume that's carly simon (laughs) i'm I'm just reading into that i'm just reading into that that's good insight leanne she said every day she would sing and hear songs in her said, but she had no idea what to do because she'd never written anything. So she went to work with her friend on Martha's Vineyard. Over the summer, she wrote hundreds and hundreds of songs, and she sent the 12 best ones to a music lawyer under her mother's name. And she, she got signed to a deal as a songwriter. Mary Steenburgen. Mary wow. Steenburgen. And this just happened? This happened so, 10 years ten ago. 10 years ago. Okay. So she it's has a- been working away on her craft for 10 years, and uh, and some of the songs ended up on producer uh, Tom Harper and Jesse Buckley's doorstep. She now has a big ballad in a new movie coming out called Wild Rose. There was a big, like, call for songs, the big ballad that the, le- the lead actress sings at the end. Yeah. It's going to bring the whole movie together. And, like, blindly, they picked Mary Steenburgen's song. And Mary Steenburgen under an assumed under name, an so assumed they had name. no way of knowing. No way. Her mom's name is something like Nellie Bly. That is not her mom's <laughs> name, but it's but, Nellie Wall is okay. her mom's name. So all the songs were under Nellie Wall. And she, and when they found out it was Mary Steenburgen, they were just blown away. So she said, wow. I, I just, so it's The Wild Rose is the name of the movie, and it's about a singer, a singing competition type of thing. And she said when she went into the studio, she was like a complete mess. She had never done anything like that before and to work with the producer and everything. But she said, you know, I who learns a new skill at 54? Who wakes up one day and can write songs? And wow. now, Isn't that a crazy story? Wow. Crazy Do you story? have any new skills after your colonoscopy? <laughs> anything? <laughs> I'm a I'm an Olympic figure skater. No, I mean, right? I mean, imagine if you could like speak French or something yes. like that. It would be fantastic. So yeah. uh, there you go. I that just thought is that kooky. was a kooky story. Okay. So kooky story of the week. 
It is. So look for that. Well, the movie sounds great, but also there's just another another aspect of Mary Steenburgen. Yeah. That's crazy. So there you have it. And it actually, it leads me into next week. Next week's show, we're doing a Thanksgiving special. We're doing a bunch of fun travel stories. We are, yeah. We're going to be talking about the best places you've ever spent the holidays or your fantasy holiday destination. Mm-hmm. We're looking forward to that. Um, Liz, you have some tips for things you can and can't pack on a plane yes. uh, that are holiday related. Flying with food. We consider yeah. this the Edna Dolan Memorial segment. Yeah. Yep. But we're also having into our studio one of my former neighbors who is an Emmy Award winning composer. Mm -hmm. He, after 40 years of writing music for lots and lots of TV shows that you loved and watched, everything from ER to Beverly Hills 90210, Days of Our Lives, Southland. Mm. He did all the music for that. He scored movies. He retired a couple years ago for that as teaching and has put out his own first album. We're going to talk to him about his career because I think musical scoring is kind of fascinating. Yes. Inspired by Mary Steenburgen. Yeah. Let's all become composers. Okay. So that is Martin Martin Davich. He's going to be on and his new album is The Conversation. If you want to check it out ahead of time, it's available on digital platforms everywhere. Martin Davich. But he's coming into the studio. That will get us in the holiday spirit. I like it. Absolutely. All right. We want to thank our sponsors today. Thank you so much for supporting Satellite Sisters. And many thanks to the Satellite Sisterhood who supports uh, those sponsors. We really appreciate it. It makes a big difference. Big thanks to our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. We would like to thank Wondry for all their support of Satellite Sisters. And, of course, we'd like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in every week and, and yep. making it fun to come to work on yeah. Tuesdays. And if you feel like leaving us a review or a rating on any podcast app, especially on Apple Podcasts, that is really helpful to us. So thank you for doing that. All right. Uh, quick to-dos. I'm going to see a VIP screening of The Aeronauts. It's a new movie starring the delightful Eddie Redmayne. Oh. All I know is it's in the Ooh. Rose Bowl and they're projecting it on a balloon. And what? I go, hey. <laughs> I got Maybe invited. Maybe go up in the balloon. No, too. I don't want to do that. I just am there for the VIP experience and they're going to project it on a balloon. Oh. That's all I... I very rarely get invited to VIP press events. Yes, you know, 300 yards from my house. Yes. So that's that's the appeal. So that's I'm doing nice. that. I'm doing and it. And this is the, it's Eddie Redmayne and what's the name of that actress? That Felicity. Was, yeah. Felicity. Yeah. Felicity. Her. Yeah. They were in that Stephen Hawking movie together yes. and they're together in this. Yes. I've heard them doing interviews yeah. about that. that yeah. They're projecting it on a balloon. That's what they claim, Liz. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Liz, a added to-do list? Yes. You know, I've mentioned in quite a few to-dos lately that I have a punch list of things, home repairs that I'm doing. I've made quite a few uh, um, advances on that list. But I actually, I had a lamp that I I couldn't understand why it wasn't working. And I didn't want to take it to a store because I thought it's probably me. You know, you just think that's why is that. But finally, I exhausted all of the other alternatives. So I actually took the lamp to the store and they quickly diagnosed what was wrong with it. So now the lamp has been fixed and I can go pick up my fixed lamp. So I'm it's just one of those things that are like now I'll probably just forget to ever pick it up, right? <laughs> Have you ever done that with something like a year later you think, What happened to those boots? And you realize, Oh yeah, I took them in to be rehealed and then I forgot about them. Anyway, so my big to do this list is pick up my lamp. Wow. I know Ooh, it doesn't hey. sound complicated, That's... but you know, you forget. And Julie, you you're you're off next week. You're off. I, I I am off. I'm going on a little tour with my grandchildren. We're doing the Beignets No Bourbon tour of New Orleans. All children's activities in New Orleans. I know a lot of people don't think of it as a city for young children. It's a magical place, and I'll have a full report when I return. Oh, great! Can't wait. That R- sounds write fun. Write it up. We'll have a safe trip, Jewel. Have a lot of fun. Okay. 
Okay. Right. And don't forget, everybody, call your satellite sister.